Yesterday, the over-under was four and a half. Today, the over-under is 14 and a half. Times that I cough during the fast lane. I, I was about to say, man, you're, you know, your your voice is sounding on the ropes right now. I, you know, I think you're going to get through today. But good news is it's Friday. You got a weekend to recover. As long yeah. as the kids listen to me. Yeah, I mean, I, this is this might be, uh, you know, uh, you know, you, you know, your wife, your lovely wife, might need to, you know, carry the the voice part of the weekend. To be clear, she has no problem with that. Okay, so that, that I'm just saying. She has no problem with that. We had a little uh, kerfuffle Team. this morning trying to get the kids to school. Shocking. Yeah. Well, one of the kids wanted something, and I couldn't find it. And then, you know, I don't know. My wife wanted me to find it. I couldn't find it. Then she starts yelling at me, never mind, like, just telling the kid, hey, wait till we get to school and holding your ground. Never mind that part. Uh, you know, Ed, you me. handle... Never stress in a unique way, and I mean that in the nicest way possible. It, it, there's no nice way to say that, though, Trey. I understand that. That's why I said it like that. In the nicest way possible, which is another way of saying I'm really not trying to be mean, but nobody else can say something differently. I, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You, you know, when you sometimes just need to let, you know. You don't have a laptop to yell at anymore, so you got the new laptop recently. You know that is correct. So, I mean, I don't, you know, I, I did the smart thing today. I mean, you may think it's bad parenting, but I actually got out of the car and was just like, you know what, I'm going to go inside, I, let cooler heads prevail. Let my I have an idea for you. If you ever win the lottery and you can build your dream house. You need to build yourself. You know those rage rooms where you can like smash stuff and yes, and that is what you need to build. It like in in the de- like the bottom of your house. Just you know it's when you bad idea. You know when these moments happen, you can just go downstairs and you know when I when I upset you, um, like I do sometimes, um, you you can just smash something. I I am hopefully getting better at channeling my frustrations. I wouldn't say rage, but clearly I have moments of being upset. And, and you handle stress like well. You can handle stressful situations. I want I want to put that out there to be clear. Like I'm not. I was not. You know, just saying. There are moments, and we all have them. Well, I where will, I will point like where by explosions the way, speaking of, happen. Speaking of stress and explosions, Liberty Flames basketball fans are having some, so we need to someone dress someone that momentarily. Yeah, I mean this fits because yeah. last night someone someone exploded. There's that. Then there's Flames Which fans. It's crazy to think about. That might not be you know in the top five of, th- of worst things to happen to the New Mexico basketball program or New Mexico State basketball program in the last year. Okay, so you brought up that point, and I will absolutely give credit where it is due um i don't by the way know of a fan base for per capita obviously others are bigger uh in terms of the raw volume of people commenting on social media but i'm going to go with per capita here because liberty's fans are not as prevalent volume wise but per capita i don't know of a fan base that is more engaged on social media particularly twitter the way the Liberty Flames fans are. Shout out to our friends at A Sea of Red who have a uh, who have a, a bracket challenge for Twitter. So one of them, it's Vine's Palm Connection. I have no clue who this person happens to be, but they follow us. I think it's Nick Kirby, if I'm not mistaken, who's part of the A Sea of Red basketball podcast. If not, please forgive me. Um, his comment was phenomenal, Trey. 
He said, quote, Oh, I saw this. I thought New Mexico State players stopped murdering people after last season in lieu of the punch that came today or came yesterday against Shiloh Robinson, where he's aggressively trying to get a box out. And yes, it's aggressive, but he gets cold cocked in lieu of that. Obviously a cheap shot. We've got the video up as many people do. Fast Lane Ed Lane on Twitter if you want to go take a look at that. More on that, by the way, in the Fast 5 at 5-ish in about 10-ish minutes from now. But the other part of Liberty Flames fans channeling their rage and frustration boils down more to this particular point. They're 2-5 and five right now in Conference USA play. It is extremely obvious that they have a real challenge with other teams. Because right now, looking at the Liberty roster, I don't mean this disparagingly to their effort. It's been there the entire time. Frankly, I think Richie McKay is actually squeezing as much out of the raw talent that this team has. But their three most athletically gifted players, you could argue, maybe you could make a case for Joseph and Zant. But they're redshirting this year. Liberty's redshirting three players. So that's part of this. But also just look at their roster compared to other teams. It was obvious to me, particularly when they played Jacksonville State. Now, when Liberty's passing the ball as crisply and effectively as they were against Sam Houston State about two weekends ago over in our spot, uh, Liberty Arena, or better known to us as... The Bel Air! Bel Air, yes. Go home, the Bel Air! When that happened, Liberty was good. But they need that to happen all the time. Because other teams, particularly other guards, have absolutely given them fits. And this has become an obvious common trend. But the thing that gets me is this. The idea that Richie McKay is somehow unaware of this and is somehow not in a spot where he is at least considering ways to remedy this. Remember the aforementioned loss to Jacksonville State where McKay credited the advantage that the Gamecocks had, the first victory, by the way, Jacksonville State registered against Liberty, but to Jacksonville State's length and athleticism. Uh, man, Jack State played a terrific game. Uh, they deserved to win and uh, really impressed with uh, the change they made from one season to a, the next. They, they have a connected team that presents a lot of problems with their length and athleticism and uh, between Alabama, them, and uh, Western Kentucky, we, we've we faced some really hot teams. Hot teams, yes, but length and athleticism. And it goes into the reality that this is a new world for Liberty and Conference USA, where they're not infinitely better than the majority of the teams that they faced in the A-Sun. And as McKay has said often, and again, highlighted by this comment after the first of two losses to Jacksonville State, it's a different league. Every night's a challenge. There's not a slump buster on the schedule. Every night will be a challenge. I really do. Um, the, the, the programs, the coaches, the, the makeup of the rosters. There's a lot of transfers, a lot of JUCOs. And uh, again, we're, we're going to have to navigate it and uh, give our best and then and see how we find a way to, to compete at a, at a more successful rate. But uh, like I, won't, I wouldn't give up on this group. They're... We have a special group of young men. Richie McKay. He's preaching as much optimism as could be mentioned. But he mentioned transfers and JUCO caliber recruits. I'm not saying if you're Liberty, you have to take all of those guys. They're not going to compromise 
the values, the willingness to play defense, and of course the guys have to fit into the faith-based mission of Liberty University. I don't expect Richie McKay is ever going to compromise on that. But he acknowledged it already, that that's a challenge for them, and he likes the character of his team, but you also need guys to step up without really throwing them under the bus this year. And that's where McKay, again, this is after Jacksonville State, but it's been an issue in other points, that this is a team that doesn't have a lot of size or athleticism in a lot of parts of this roster. I don't know if I'd call them defensive struggles. They have a size advantage. <laughs> that, that is what it is. But uh, we did not, you know, we chose to, to keep building it the way we've been building it. We didn't take a bunch of transfers and uh, we we're in a new league now and uh, there's going to be a learning curve for us too. So I don't think we had, we don't play poor defense. I think, I think we've got some things we got to compensate for because of our lack of size and penalize people on the other end. And, uh, and we got to find those solutions. Obviously it's a lot easier when you're making shots and you're playing with the lead. He mentioned lack of size. And right now, I mean, let's be real. Liberty is in a spot where they've got two guards that are under six feet tall. I mean, I love the effort of a guy like Colin Porter. And when he's on, his passing is phenomenal. And he's got good quickness. But there's just a raw fact that the guy's under six feet tall. And when you're going against other guards that are bigger than six feet tall, that maybe they can't always drive past you, but they can, on the flip side, if they get it you know, closer to the rim, they can post you up. And that's a different challenge. Or they can shoot over top of you despite playing good defense. And then Caden Matheny can make threes in a lot of spots, yes, but Liberty needs even more out of him in that particular situation. Now, I don't at all bemoan the idea that Richie McKay has no clue how to evaluate talent. That, that, that's one thing that I will defend him on because in previous iterations, they've had guys like Caleb Holmesley, Lavelle Cabell, Scotty James, Elijah Cuffey, um, and obviously everyone knows about Darius McGee, but he's, he's smaller, but he was such a sharpshooter that it was much different. But Richie McKay, by and large, has acknowledged that there are deficiencies on this team. And they're not going to change immediately overnight. The reality for Liberty Flames fans is understand what you want out of a team and that to get to where you believe you can be, which is contending in the Conference USA, as a basketball contender to, to win a men's basketball championship, there is still a lot of work that's going to need to be done with this roster to get it to one where it's got more length and athleticism, and length includes just raw size and height, than what this team has right now. And that's been exposed just by watching them most recently last night against New Mexico State. And that is the reality of their setup. Speaking of the reality of being exposed, if you want to make sure your bank account is not exposed to overpriced items, then you need to shop at InsaneRadioDeals.com. Back, coming soon, Yamada Japanese Barbecue, Rivermont Pizza, some of those still left, and of course, Crosswide Athletic Club individual couple and family memberships for three months at InsaneRadioDeals.com. Hey, hey, Ed, I just thought of this. Do you think football and how much success they had quickly, which is kind of abnormal, could skew fans' perception for the other other teams in terms of competing at the high high level at Conference USA? Because to be you know frank. 90% of the time when a team joins a new conference, unless you're, you know, Houston, who's a national championship contender before they got to the Big 12, you're going to struggle when you step up in league competition just because you're not used to playing 
similarly rated teams on a night in night out basis whereas you know maybe in the A-Sun you're playing two to three of those whereas in the Conference USA you're probably playing what five or six and that's a big difference that's a really good question Trey and I don't think it's all base to make that theory impose that theory because Liberty fans I think to an extent did get spoiled with the fact that they jumped up to Conference USA in football and they had a four-star caliber recruited quarterback in Caden Salter and a head coach in Jamie Chabwell who wins 80% of his games on average come into your program and they could hit the ground running. Like I think, and to bring this, you know, we can even tie this to the ACC. I think SMU could look very similar to what Liberty looks like jumping to QSA that Liberty or SMU did to to the ACC, and maybe not to the scale, but I think they are most likely to only be successful in football in their first year in the ACC. Granted, I don't. They, I mean, they've had some success in basketball and other sports, but. They they have a kind of a really good foundation in football, and they've competed against. They're used to competing against Power Five teams. They play TCU every year, for example. I mean, and then the AAC was you know pretty competitive league. So it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see. You know, I think those could be very two comparisons. Also, both programs, especially with football, have a lot of you know. A lot of money that they want to spend in from a booster point of view. So that that's I think a really good comparison. Yeah, I mean that that that's the truth of it is that both programs, Liberty and SMU, are very well supported financially. SMU, I'd say more than Liberty. No offense to Flames fans, but yeah, I think that's a really good comparison, Trey, and a really good point about Liberty right now and just the un I wouldn't say unreasonable expectations because you want to win and they've seen championships before in men's basketball and they've seen it, uh, you know, at the Big South and at the A Sun level and, and Liberty has found ways to adjust multiple times, but you know, it's obvious there are also some challenges that this team's going to have to navigate and two and five in Conference USA kind of speaks to that right now that those are issues that the Flames have to navigate and. And, you know, if it was one or two losses, that's one thing. But when you start stringing this many together, you know, it's a, an oblique moment for some. Uh, I don't think it's unrecoverable for Liberty as a program. Uh, I, I do think their work is cut out for them this year to get to where they want to go. But there's also enough that if you get a three or four game stretch, <coughs> Conference USA tournament, where you're playing hot and you're passing the ball as well as possible and you are vigorously defending, that you can shock some other people and other teams, especially if you get them into pressure-packed situations. Yeah, I was going to say two things. One, you know, you, you mentioned kind of the talent and, you know, this is, you know, coming off the Darius McGee year, this is definitely a transition for this team. And, you know, navigating that transition in the A-Sun, no offense to the A-Sun, is a lot easier than navigating that transition in Conference USA, folks, where where I know this team is not in the conference, you know, a couple of these teams are not in the conference, but they had a lot of success in basketball last year. I mean, they had a team in the Final Four. This is a really good basketball conference from top to bottom with a lot of good consistency, especially at the mid-major level. So, it's different, and I think you're right. Like, even before, this was going to be a one-bid lead, maybe a two-bid lead, depending on the non-conference schedule. And Liberty, kind of, if they beat Alabama, maybe that, and they had they went, you know, one to two losses in conference play, they maybe could have snuck in. But that's not going to happen. This is probably a one-bid lead most years. 
and they still can get the one bid and they still i think are capable you know with their style and you know i you know richie mckay is a a really really good basketball coach where they they still have everything they want ahead of them it's just this is definitely different to navigate for liberty that you know, we'll see what happens. You know, they were picked what first in base, second in baseball, first in softball. I I would not be shocked if if they face similar. You know, I, and what Liberty was picked to finish what second in basketball this year. Second in basketball, which again may have been a little so, bit so like overzealous. You know, so I think you think about it. Like I think um, you go to the Big Twelve. I think. One of those teams, maybe it was Houston, not Houston. Um, it might have been UCF was picked to finish in the top half of the league, and they didn't. So they were six and six. They were a middle team. So the transitions when you're jumping up a level are always hard to gauge, and it will be interesting to see like Liberty Athletics as a program navigating this change. I think, I think they can be the premier athletic department for the next, you know like five years from now but it'll, they first have to get you know kind of navigate those waters to truly kind of and, and we've seen this with every kind of transition i think the only unique ones will be the ones that those elite elite teams like your oregon's usc's that are used to competing at the high level going to a big 10 but in this kind of jump up from a level you you kind of see a rocky road compared to a smooth road most times yeah i mean it's it's not always sunshine and rainbows right off the get-go where you're going to jump in never lose a game and you make it as far as you reasonably could expect to go a la liberty football from this past season um speaking of getting as far as you want to go we love confirmation bias here in the fast lane (laughs) and boy did we not get some last night in the Virginia Tech-Virginia basketball game. Because we mentioned that Virginia would hang around for a while. But one of the big challenges was going to be that Virginia's arrival. Virginia is also playing well enough that they beat North Carolina at home. They had beaten Florida State on the road. And despite the fact that they're you know, a 500 caliber team overall and they're below 500, well below 500 in the ACC, they're an improving team enough that Kenny Brooks knew that, got the message through to his team, and was able to really reiterate that after the win last night. Really good win for us against a really good team, an up-and-coming team. And um, you, know, you look at UVA and their their record might be 2-7 and seven, you know, coming into the game. But you, know, you also have to look at who they play. They played Carolina twice. They played uh, NC State twice. They played Notre Dame. Uh, they played a really tough schedule. And uh, so they're going to win a lot of basketball games. And, and Mox does a really good job with them, and they're getting better and better. Kenny Brooks. Virginia Tech women's basketball coach Kenny Brooks reiterating about Virginia and what they're doing. When he's saying all that, he's also saying we knew we had to take this team seriously, and he even doubled down on that. We knew we were going to have our work cut out for us. Um, it's really good effort by you know everyone, um, and we're starting to play you know really good basketball. We're understanding where we need to get the basketball, how to get it there, and um, having less and less lulls. So this went to go a long way for us. I know everybody else. The crowd was phenomenal um sellout crowd um no promotion it was just you know just a good game and everybody wanted to come out and you know it's kind of it's, it's fun when you can win and you can beat you know a good team like uva and give the people what they want biscuits and bacon so um and it's gonna be a pretty good breakfast sandwich tomorrow so um but really good really good win it was and and biscuits and bacon which, which is, is what I mean, really, that's all the fans care about, right, Trey? Shout out to Bailey Angle, uh, Bailey Angle, who is their in, in-house MC, uh, good friend of mine, uh, was wearing bacon pants. So shout out to him. 
Yeah, I saw those. They were on social media and kind of, uh, kind of, well, like the clothing that I might wear. Let's just say what it is. Fashionable, but loud at the same time. Speaking of fashionable and loud, there was a loud punch thrown last night. That is where we start things off in the Fast Five at Five-ish. It's time for the Fast Five at Five-ish. Five fast-paced, quick-witted things you need to know right now. Number five. Robert Carpenter, the New Mexico State player who cold-cocked Shiloh Robinson, has been suspended by the New Mexico State Aggies indefinitely after throwing that punch last night. Um, That's worse than anything Grayson Allen ever did, and that's saying something. I mean, Grayson Allen was notorious for tripping and kicking, but never did he actually cold cock anybody. And uh, again, when you're comparing people to Grayson Allen, that's not a compliment in terms of your behavior. But Robert Carpenter, that was an ugly punch last night. Indefinite suspension is absolutely warranted. Uh, realistically, it's it's a one-game suspension for this coming weekend's New Mexico State game, but it also gives them time to figure out what they'll do before their next game next Thursday evening. Number The SEC and the Big Ten are announcing that they are setting up an advisory committee that will, quote, look at the entire college sports landscape and solutions within it, end quote. I never knew a uh, divorce, uh, divorce, that's the word I'm looking for, diverse diverse attorney was uh, an advisory committee. I know, isn't that funny? You've got what's crazy with this. It's the alliance. David Hale, great tweet. Uh, Alliance to Electric Bungalow. That was a great tweet. That or Mike Barber saying that, yes, because we know handshake agreements with the Big Ten always turn out really well. Um, Alabama to the Big Ten. The reality is these are more steps being taken at shooting down the NCAA's power structure because this is an NCAA that doesn't care about doing what's right or anything logical. They are in the quintessential mode of making sure that they protect and they don't have to give up at all as our girl Melissa McCarthy from Saturday Night Live would remind us so that's one of the real challenges and it is often more exacerbated not just by the lawsuit that Tennessee and Virginia filed against the NCAA against NIL compensation but also this story number three that Jeff Halfley earlier this week left as the head coach of the Boston College Eagles to become the defensive coordinator at the Green Bay Packers. And he may not be the only one. A Power 2 coach might be on the move as well. Rumors have added that Chip Kelly was in consideration for the Raiders' OC job, and not just that, but that he is still in consideration to be an individual who learns how to keep his left hand up. Because Chip Kelly has been mentioned as a potential offensive coordinator for the Washington Commanders. The reality is expect to see more of this. Coaches are willing to forego leading their own program as a head coach if they've already got that on their resume for the more sane structure of the NFL. Okay, yes, it's more of a workaholic profession. They want to coach football. But you're not fundraising. 
you're not recruiting guys on your own roster and having to recruit guys off of other rosters to replace the guys that got recruited off of your roster because there's no rules in place and once again the NCAA is just about grandstanding and talking a good game but not actually doing something which is why we got to the point we mentioned in number four of the SEC and the Big Ten exploring other avenues they're forcing the issue right now and it is no problem at all from my perspective do I hate as a college sports purist that this is all playing out in front of us 100% but I don't blame the conferences for doing this and I don't blame the players because the people that should be in charge are not concerned about anything more than making sure they protect lots of power and that's really all they care about number two speaking of part of that goes to this the NCAA revenue has neared 1.3 billion dollars for the latest fiscal year with the bulk of it 945 million dollars coming through media rights and marketing deals tied to championship events that's what the NCAA does well in addition to protecting their desk and protecting the fact that they like to preserve lots of power because the NCAA is good at that it's just that other people can organize events in a more equitable manner that also stands up in the court of law and number one on the Fast Five at Five-ish. These two also tie together. NASCAR remains undecided on its return to the Fontana track that has now been demolished with the only thing remaining a few grandstands and suites. Um, you factor this into the news that the NASCAR clash is unsure whether it will return to the LA Coliseum in 2025 and that no decision has yet been made. It sounds like NASCAR is in a bigger picture level, trying to figure out what to do and the understanding that they need to have a presence in the Los Angeles market. Number two market, it embraced the clash very well in the race at Fontana, about 45 minutes outside of LA, is one that was also very well received. With the reality that, yes, you're talking about NASCAR having no real plan on the fly and the legal hurdles in any area hurdles of trying to get anything accomplished in a place like Los Angeles, California. That's why you can reasonably believe that this is something that NASCAR wants to do. I think ultimately they want to have the clash back in LA just because they're looking for a way to stay present in that market with no other viable alternative. And there is your Fast Five at Five. When we return in the Fast Lane, more on the Super Bowl, the Taylor Swift angle, and even slime time. All of that's still to come on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app. 